Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome, everyone, to the Rock M Nation podcast. This is an episode of Dive Cuts. My name is Sam Stelling. I am your host. Uh, with me, as always, is my my friend, uh, my co-host, and a popular Twitter follow uh, for many 16 to 17-year-old kids uh, these days, Matthew J. Harris. Matt, how are you? There's no good way to come back from that statement, so I'm just going <laughs> to let that just let it go. Uh. It's it's uh it's part of the gig uh, when you start you know following uh, kids that Missouri is recruiting and, and realize that uh, you know the class of twenty one and twenty two are being uh, sought after at, at at this moment. We've got some uh, some, some players who have sort of come to the forefront as guys in Missouri might prioritize in those classes and. And sure enough, they're interested in what you have to say, Matt. That's all it is. Sure, sure. That's what we'll go with here. Let's <laughs> let's just move along quickly here. So uh, we are recording. It is Tuesday, September 24th. Um, and I felt a, a giant shriek of despair, a little bit of uh, sadness uh, enter the Mizzou... Um, what Twitter sphere will we'll just say or Mizzou uh, internet and uh, that was that uh, some crystal ball picks came in for um, 
top Missouri target and St. Louis native CBC point guard Caleb Love. Uh, currently, and I'm pulling this up as we speak, there are six crystal ball predictions, all 100% for the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Matt, how surprised are you by this revelation of North Carolina perhaps taking the lead according to the national pundits? Uh, not at all. <laughs> it's been that way for a couple of months. It's... So, so I, I we're going to rewind this because we've had plenty of conversations about Caleb Love. Uh, how long have would you say uh, North Carolina has been considered the favorite uh, for for Mr. Love? Probably back into the middle of spring and summer at this point. I think uh, once Texas kind of dropped away back in May. There were probably about seven schools that were consistently getting listed uh, by the time Caleb cut his list, I believe, in August. That was probably down to five. Um, Arizona's, you know, was sort of a surprise to wind up in there. They didn't get a visit. Indiana, they turned it away. Um, and so that really left us with four. Uh, Kansas, Missouri, Louisville, North Carolina. Uh, Louisville, I think, it, would you say, had probably been presumed as an early favorite before North Carolina jumped in and made an offer, but that was one that I think that camp had been waiting on or something of that ilk had been a North Carolina offer. Um, and since they've, and since, yeah, I think, I think Louisville was probably considered the favorite for much of, of last yeah, year up until, up until North Carolina formally jumped in and, you know, it's been, you know, I think they've been the presumptive leader, and the thought was, could Louisville really hang in there? And at least nationally, Missouri, I think, was sort of viewed as a team sort of on the periphery. I don't think that necessarily uh, was always the case. Um, I think you wrote that as well. But this was always, I think, a situation where you know Missouri was going to have to you know, do what it could to hang around the periphery, hang in as long as it could, you know, hope that the early foundation it tried to uh, put in place and build had some durability and uh you know if they could get caleb on campus for an official visit and kind of do the formal thing could they you know sort of submit themselves uh, as a viable option i think they did that but i i don't think that necessarily ate away or eroded at north carolina's lead i think it just underscored that maybe missouri's position was stronger than some people might have presumed and so i think what's happened is i think coming out of that visit folks assumed that you know Missouri had closed a huge gap and I don't know if that was necessarily the case so much as it reinforced them as a you know a top three option for him but to me North Carolina has always been the team that you know was the you know was the smart and obvious you know money play for where he would wind up and so I don't think the predictions today should really catch anybody off guard. Yeah, I think it's one of those things like when um, when it sort of a sequence of events happens, it sort of gives maybe some people who are already kind of leaning one way uh, sort of the the feeling that they can go ahead and, and maybe make those those picks. Um, you know, because it, it is one of those things like these uh, many of these writers do try to 
be as accurate as possible. And even though, like, I think the general idea has been that North Carolina has been the leader for a long time, um, you know, the Loves really, uh, yeah, as a family, did a good job of of sort of playing the game and 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 making sure that they you know kept their information tight and they didn't really list any leaders. They just sort of you know talked about you know the programs that they were asked about and uh and in a lot of ways like it it sort of those situations tend to kind of benefit the more nationally recognized programs and in this case it's going to benefit North Carolina it's going to benefit Kansas it's going to benefit Louisville when you read about them um you know but I think the undercurrent for Missouri was was always a lot stronger than they were given credit for um but the, the the problem is 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 that uh, even through all of this, e- even though like we were kind of saying, hey, like Missouri's in there better than you think, um, they weren't ever in in my estimation and your estimation. I I hope I'm not offending you by including you in this, but I think like we've always felt North Carolina was the team to beat and the strongest uh, likelihood for for Caleb and. And now you're kind of seeing that play out. So what happens from here? I think realistically the thing is, it sounds weird. You want him to take the visit to Louisville. You want this thing to sort of go longer. I think it's what we've said in the past, which is you want there to be some distance from the North Carolina visit, from seeing Walker Kessler commit, you know, from playing pickup with alumni there. You know, you, you want there to be some distance and for this thing to become sort of a, a thing where you aren't, where the the feelings that you have coming out of North Carolina are sort of dominating the discussion. And it's really you and your camp sitting around a table with, you know, everything laid out in front of you and walking through each program, you know, and trying to weigh the merits of each of them. I think that's what you want this to become is let's sit down and evaluate everything together here. And also I think that just gives Missouri staff more time to work. I think they're in second. I think Louisville, uh, based on what we're seeing, you know, with Devin Askew that they're trying to play for, Devon Smith, to, you know, Jay Scrub, they are, I think they have some more options. I think Love is still at the top of their board, but they seem to be losing some traction. So if you're Missouri, really, the, the goal right now is to try and just have as much time, as much, you know, as many opportunities to interact and continue putting that case forward and hope that, you know, you can get into late October ahead of the early signing period and, and really be a factor at that point. I think that's that's always been the goal, and I think it remains the goal. So the longer this goes on, the, the, the better it is for Missouri. Um, still, I mean, I, I would put the odds at pretty long you know, maybe 15, 20% at this point that, um, that they're able to kind of pull this off. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily just because the six crystal ball, uh, predictions kind of came in that that really means anything has changed. I just think we're at the point where those guys kind of feel comfortable enough. Um, you know, and maybe like, I, I probably would have put that pick in a month ago, um, you know, and, and felt comfortable doing it. Um, and obviously, as a Missouri fan kind of hoping 
something swings the other way, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, like Kate Cunningham decides like, hey, I really do want to go to UNC. And maybe Bryce Thompson says, yeah, me too. And suddenly, you know, Caleb hasn't committed. And he's like, whoa, that's a lot of guards. So uh, you you never know like how these things are going to play out. But I, I think the, uh, the, to me, like the, the reason that most, uh, maybe most fans are kind of, feeling the effects right now is more because they didn't quite know how close Missouri really was. Uh, and, and, uh, that, that, you know, bears out in some level of frustration, um, which, you know, I get, but there's a difference between, uh, Missouri and, and North Carolina right now. North Carolina has won a couple national titles in recent years. And, um, you know, Missouri's been the NCAA tournament. Uh, a couple years ago, so <laughs> yeah, this is there's some there's some ground to make. Yeah, up. <laughs> and I, this is you know, this was always you know I think we said it last year when you know they put the offers out to Cam Fletcher, you know Caleb Love, and you know Josh Christopher is you know the goal here is to stay in this as long as you can and really just be there in the end, and you know maybe circumstances and everything sort of work in your favor. The goal here is to sort of position yourself to be there in the final group and and be an option that's discussed, you know, and hope that, you know, last season would have played out a little bit better to make a compelling argument. It didn't go that way, but, you know, Missouri to its credit, you know, has stayed in this, you know, with things that haven't broken optimally for them. And I think that's, that's a testament to where they are. And I I think folks, you know, would like to see another breakthrough. I think that, I think that's kind of the the sense I get is that there's this tension. It's been a while since the Porters, since Jeremiah Tillman, you know, Courtney Ramey didn't pan out. EJ Liddell didn't pan out. You know, Cam Fletcher hasn't panned out. If Caleb Love opts to go to North Carolina, that is, another kind of high priority target out of St. Louis that has, you know, passed on what Missouri's offered. But I think that sort of ignores where the program is. And we've said this a lot too, which is this program needs to get healthy. It needs to have a track record of consistency before it can legitimately, you know, you know, you can legitimately say this should be a recruitment. They close. They're doing the best they can under the, constraints they have right now so i think that needs to be kept in mind yeah i'm i'm a firm firm believer that if you if you put two three four ncaa tournaments in a row under you know conzo's uh resume um and you you sort of put that in front of uh kids and you put it in front of kids in in st louis and elite kids in st louis or kansas city or, or really just around the Midwest, and it's, it's going to carry a lot more weight than where Missouri has been. And I, I think there's a lot of respect for Conzo Martin, um, you know, but, and this is something that I've, I've said before, like he's dealing in hypotheticals and, uh, and when you're dealing with hypotheticals and what you want hypothetically for your program, it's a lot tougher for, for kids to commit over something that's a little bit reality. More, I mean, um, yeah, like like I mean North Carolina, like North Carolina can can point to players that 
came there, became lottery picks, and are now making millions in the NBA doing exactly what Caleb Love uh, is doing. Like, like Conzo can point to a few players that he's had in the past, but not at Missouri. Um, and, and so that is something that is going to have to develop over time. And, and, and it'll, I, I really believe it's going to get there. Like I, I think Conzo is the right guy for the job. I think he's going to um, be a really good stabilizer for this program. And I, I, think, uh, I think eventually he's going to find a way to break through. Um, but it, it is certainly not looking like this is going to be the recruiting cycle where that happens. No, and I think the final point I want to make is you go in if you say you're going to prioritize an area you you recruit kids and you recruit the top of that market for as long as they let you recruit them you know i i don't think you can if you have missouri and you're trying to establish credibility in that market you can't selectively go in and out if you're going to make if you're going to tell caleb love or cam fletcher or courtney ramey you're a priority for us and then bail at the first sign that, oh, we may run into some blue bloods here. It's time to shift. That argument that this is that your area and that your commitment to that region is, you know, unwavering, it takes a hit. And so I just set aside, you know, the quality of player that love is. If you're going to make the commitment to people in that market and to people in the basketball community in St. Louis, you're going to recruit that area hard. This is part of that effort. This is part of what you have to do, and so I, I, I you know, I think people are going to be disappointed. And you know, talk about well, what happened to the board, what happened to backup plans, to establish credibility in St. Louis, and to establish, you know, you know, the long-standing relationships that will help once the program is theoretically healthier. This is the groundwork you have to put in. This is just part of it, and so it's disappointing in the near term. But the hope is that all these efforts, you know, will and all the seeds you've sown now will bear some fruit later. So that's, that's just the final point I want to make. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's frustrating, um, to a degree, but I, I, I think the, uh, overall, like, I think this season is going to be a really good one for Missouri. And I think that's one thing to kind of keep in mind. Uh, and most of the guys that they have that are going to be making an impact on this season are going to be back, uh, for next year. So as much as maybe missing on Caleb hurts, uh, I think everybody kind of knows the recruiting class, like the important part of the recruiting class is going to be what they get out of the, uh, out of, you know, the post recruits that they've kind of been after and, and whether or not they can land, uh, Davian Bradford or, or, or Hughley or, um, you know, somebody like that, that's going to be able to give them interior depth, uh, next year, um, and and hopefully uh, become a stalwart in the post and years after. Yeah, and that's you know worth keeping an eye on at this point. You know, Davion Bradford doesn't you know, talk a lot coming out of these visits. I think right now, you know, the hope is that this continues to go on and, and see if there's any other visits that come up. Uh, you know, I thought there might be a visit to SLU that I haven't seen that manifest yet. Uh, he's supposedly going to Kansas for Night the Fog on October 4. We'll see how... I'm interested in that situation because there are a couple Mokan kids in on that roster. Uh, he played with Dewan Harris this summer, uh, who is on that roster. So I'm interested to see if that becomes a situation for Kansas. But they also had Jethro Muscadin in last weekend, I believe. 
So uh, a fast rising kid in 2022 in the 2020 class as well. So that's probably worth mentioning. Uh, John Hughley is taking a visit to Kansas state, I think October five. So that's four visits down for him. Uh, that leaves one Missouri was in last week. Uh, they were in before I think they announced or Jordan Wilmore at a announced that he was taking a visit and had an offer. So can Missouri get that fifth, become that fifth visit? And if so, would the likeliest date be October 12th against Ole Miss for homecoming? Would that be a date they could get him in for? So the bigs right now really become the, the part of the board that I'm more interested in. Uh, we knew Ryan Kalkbrenner was off the board. He committed to Creighton. So you're really down to three bodies at this point uh, in the 2020, in the 20, uh, in the 2020 class. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Yeah, and they have some guys with, uh, you know, some level of size that can play the interior, but certainly nobody that you, like, feel quite comfortable <laughs> uh, manning the five spot, uh, you know, for, for large large bulk of minutes. I mean, like, you want um, somebody with a little more heft than somebody like maybe Trey Jackson or even even Kobe Bryant. Um, Kobe Bryant, Kobe Brown. Um, I'll take Kobe Bryant. Yeah, I think even to the five. (laughs) I've seen him work in the mid post. We've seen that go to work. So, uh, yeah, we'll take that. But it's uh, this is it'll be interesting. I think the angst should probably be saved more for if if things don't go right in the low block. That's where I if I was telling anybody to be angsty, it's it's over low post prospects. That's where you should concentrate your worry. Uh, do you have anything else you want to add on the recruiting aspect? Um, uh, some 2021 and 2022 visitors were in last weekend. Uh, yeah. Uh, Tamar Bates was in last weekend. Uh, a combo guard out of the Kansas City area was in. Uh, KJ Lee, a wing out of Fort Zumwalt North in St. Louis, was in. And Anton Brookshire, a six-foot point guard out of Springfield Kickapoo, was in so those are again Missouri leaning heavily towards the uh, combo guard and wing position in 2021. If anybody has looked at the roster, they will understand why that's the case. They will have ample need. They'll at least they'll be probably losing at least two guys there in uh, in uh, Drew Smith and Mark Smith, and who knows what. A, and you know it's college basketball. I'd always plan for another body to go somewhere, so they'll have a need in that group. And then they have uh, some guys in the 2022 class that were in town. Uh, the biggest one is obviously Mark Mitchell, a wing, uh, a top 15 kid already. And if you're already a top 15 kid this far out in the 2022 class, there are going to be blue bloods eventually that come sniffing. So prepare for him. He's out of, uh, he played at Bishop Miege on the uh, Johnson County side of the border in Kansas City. He was in um, a guy that. You and I both like uh, Terrace Reed, junior, a combo forward out of Chaminade, uh, was in, and it looked like a uh, 2022 prospect, uh, Robert Martin, a point guard at CBC, uh, who mans the point for them behind uh, Love and ran with Brad Beal, leads 15U roster. Looked like he was also down. So lots of guys uh, down last weekend. Uh, lots of guards, too. Uh, discrimination against bigs last and early on in visits. So 
just a heads up well, that, there. That's also like not necessarily uncommon. I mean, most post players yeah. kind of tend to develop a little bit later, yeah. and there's not usually a, a, a whole lot of like really gifted six eleven guys like walking around at the age of fourteen. So yeah, and Terrace Reed's a six eight kid who's already working out. To give my people an idea how promising he is, he's already going through workouts with Tyler Cook, who will be uh, who has a con- who was signed to a contract with the uh, Denver Nuggets. So if he's already going through workouts with guys who are earning paychecks, that should be an indicator of uh, the quality coming down the pipeline there. And Shamanad, obviously. Uh, high quality program as well so uh, definitely keep an eye on him as probably a major big prospect a couple years from now but that is a that's kind of the early rundown on two classes from on next year's class and one class after that but there are visitors that's good Uh, you want to get kids in and get relationships formed and uh, practice starts this week yeah it does practice does start this week uh Interested to see, I, I guess, kind of what the initial reports are as to what position guys are running in and just sort of the distribution of, you know, where of minutes and roles for guys early on. I am especially interested in kind of how the, the lead guard position shakes out because I don't necessarily think like we're going to, there's going to be a point guard, point guard. I think there's going to be a guy who initiates the offense and another guy who can, you know, run some secondary stuff, but I don't know if. This will be a, a situation where you have a guy who is the point guard, point guard, if that makes any sense. Missouri's offense doesn't seem structured to where you have one guy that is supposed to, you know, sort of stir this, you know, stir the drink at points. So I'm interested to see just kind of how the ball handling duties get split up early on, and sort of what happens at combo forward and who, and what sort of the usage is and roles for guys at that spot. So those are two things I think people should kind of keep an eye on. Yes. The, uh, I would say how the rotation ends up sort of playing itself out um, at all kind of three guard spots is, is probably where I'm kind of the most curious to see where it plays out. They, they've got a lot of guys that I think we both like and think can really contribute and, and help help people out. It's just sort of a matter of like who's going to kind of take control and um, who's going to play with the most consistency and uh whether we're not are we're gonna kind of see somebody like maybe torrence watson finally kind of find the steadiness that i think we kind of saw from him late if he can uh sort of take the reins there or if uh if javon pickett is going to be able to hold him off for uh, you know another year what's mario mckinney gonna do and um and how are they going to use uh kobe brown like uh, you know i think you know brown has been sort of listed by a lot of people as playing a lot of the four spot and i think that's probably a good fit for him um so how they utilize him and 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 trey jackson and all that kind of stuff it'll be interesting for sure yeah and the one thing you know i'm working on something now kind of going through the film of drew smith i think i think people are going to be interested to kind of see him play live once you watch him for extended periods i think he's a great fit in the sense that I think he does a lot of things that Missouri's offense will want, you know, a point guard to do. But it's not, I think, a conception that a lot of people have of what a point guard typically is in an offense. But uh, I think it'll be interesting to see kind of how people, you know, react to watching him play live and what he does. Because I think it's, it might be a little bit different than what people presume. I think he's a guy who, 
you know, can play off the ball a little bit more, you know, who can make some plays and some high ball screens, but he's not, you know, uh, and he doesn't have to be a guy who really is a floor general. He can kind of shift and be a little bit flexible in where he plays and what spots on the floor he operates from. So that's one thing I'm interested to see is, you know, we've, he's been this kind of, you know, he's been a guy for a year. People have talked a lot about, I think it'll be real interesting for people to get eyes on him for the first time and see, you know, what, actually Missouri has on its hands with him. So that's, that's one area I'm really, really interested in. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So, Matt, you did kind of make mention of the possibility of uh, Davion Bradford looking at Kansas. Uh, and I'm going to circle back and because uh, this is kind of how I want to finish the podcast. Um, because Kansas is kind of dealing with a little bit of news about their basketball program. And for those who only get their news through our podcast, which I imagine is most of you, um, I'm kidding on that. I'd be surprised if any of you actually do that. But that's a bad thing. Uh, that is a bad yeah. thing. <laughs> you're you're kind of doing the wrong, doing doing it doing, doing it wrong. It, yeah, doing it way wrong, guys. <laughs> so, uh, Kansas City Star had a report that says the NCAA was about to levy some uh, notice of allegations, the dreaded NOA, including some. Uh, level one stuff and level one is the worst stuff uh, against Kansas in their basketball program. Uh, Yahoo followed that up um, multiple level one infractions, including a lack of institutional control. Uh, and so much so that is levied kind of directly at Bill self and the way he's run his program. Um, Kansas has in turn, of course, trying to fight it and make themselves look red. We all know that Kansas has been cheating and cheating, uh, badly for or actually i should say they've really been cheating very well um because they've gotten away with it for so long uh, but one of the reasons like w- number one this very clearly is going to impact their recruiting um they already had one person go they already had one player go into the transfer portal so yeah and it's a, a freshman uh guard yeah. isaac mcbride yeah he had a freshman out of arkansas baptist so uh, yeah so interesting uh you know bill self's recruiting overall is is has been kind of interesting um they do tend to kind of land elite guys here and there um you know but outside of uh andrew wiggins like it's pretty rare for them to uh to land like top top five level guys it's usually they're kind of landing uh one McDonald's All-American, another guy is sort of like top 50, and then he sort of builds up with, uh, you know, with, with you know, like four-star guys, but guys that are maybe low four-stars that are going to stick around for three or four years. Um, I actually think it's a really great way to build a program. And Yeah, um, I, his roster management has been really, really good. I yeah, like and I even said, like, last night, like, you know, like, 
Bill Self has uh, has been cheating for a long time, and I mean he he cheated at Illinois, and he put together some really terrific rosters at Illinois. But um, several of the guys uh, he went through alternate channels to make sure he secured commitments. Um, he's done it at Kansas. Um, I don't want to take away from the fact that I think Bill Self is a terrific basketball coach. Um, he is a he's like, phenomenal. He's one of the five best coaches in the country. Uh, and 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 deservedly so. I mean, he's a terrific, terrific basketball coach. He was a terrific basketball coach before he ever started cheating. Um, I mean, he invented the high-low offense, which uh, is something that a lot of people still run to this day. Even even in the it's uh, a staple. It's a staple at you know at high school at the high school level. It's kind of trickled down and become a great way for teams to get post touches when you don't have a dominant big. And he came yeah. up with that at Tulsa and then adapted it to a twin post offense and has now sort of embraced a little more pace and space stuff. He's This will sound nerdy and nobody will do it, but go watch Bill Self at a coaching clinic. Like Go on YouTube, find a session of him teaching his offense, and it is phenomenal to watch. Like you, He's not just smart schematically. He just does a phenomenal job teaching it. It's, you know, I probably watched seven or eight full clinic sessions with him. It's just phenomenal to watch him teach the game of basketball. Uh, if you set all that aside, though, and some unethical behaviors, uh, you know, he's great. So, that, Well, that, and I'd also like to point out, like, I don't necessarily believe that if you cheat uh, to land good players as a college basketball coach, like, I don't think that necessarily makes you a bad person. I don't know Bill Self. I don't know him well enough no. to know whether or not he's a good or bad person. Uh, the same thing Neither with like I. with Will Wade, uh, with any of these coaches. Like I don't know these people. Um, I've met enough college, like uh, you know, elite college basketball coaches uh, to know. Um, and I would say like elite. Like I've met enough Division One uh, assistants and head coaches to sort of know the breed. And and I I think overall like most of those guys like they're trying to do right by kids. They're uh, they're they are trying to win games and. And help guys, and overall, like I don't necessarily think Bill Self is any different. However, um, that's not what we're going to talk about. We spent a lot of time kind of leading up to this, so <laughs> I would like. How does how does how do you think Kansas is going to get out of this? Because you and I kind of talked about this briefly the other day, and and you had some uh, some things that you thought could sort of play out that. I think I really like the the way it played out because I think it right now we're at a point where the NCAA really is is going to see a lot more pressure uh, to allow you know student athletes to profit off their own likeness, um, and that's going to kind of change the way that that recruiting this under the table recruiting happens. But w- what do you think is going to be the like what would be the best case scenario uh, for what we w- kind of want to see the end result for the NCAA? I mean, I think you can't read the in a way and I only skimmed it without thinking they're coming for bill. I mean, they really are coming for him. I mean, they are basically saying not only did TJ Gasanola do this, but bill was well aware of what was going on. I think the NCAA's cases, we don't believe there's plausible deniability for you. And if you get a multi-year show cause, you know, we want to push you out of the sport. And I, I think this is kind of the thing where, Slowly over the last decade, the NCAA has steadily 
tried to put the onus on coaches as bad actors. Um, you know, as people who are, you know, subverting, you know, this pristine, you know, spirit of amateurism, which really does not exist anymore. But, you know, coaches are the easiest, you know, targets in this sense because they're the ones who are you know, tasked with managing the programs. You know, you'll hear a coach say, I know everything that goes on inside my building until NCAA allegations arrive. And it's like, oh, he was acting outside of my purview. <laughs> so I think the NCAA is, you know, when I read the NOA for Bill, this is the NCAA, I think, saying that, you know, that contradiction doesn't hold up anymore. So I'm, I think, you know, both sides are going to pay a lot of money to law firms. They're going to dig in here and they're going to fight and Bill's going to coach and he's going to, you know, go in until the point, you know, where maybe the writing is on the wall and maybe he does take a call from an NBA franchise. Maybe Bill says, you know, this just is not worth it. I've made plenty of money here. I can go play in the NBA. I can go coach in the NBA and make a bunch of money there and not have to abide by these, you know, by the spirit of amateurism, which really doesn't exist anymore. That's one possibility. But I think right now the safest thing to say is you're going to see KU and the NCAA have a knockdown drag out over it. Um, what I would like to see happen is that we we start hitting schools in the wallet. I think uh, the easiest way maybe, or one of the ways I, th- I think is feasible or that I think would be interesting to see is if you were to start hammering a school's NCAA revenue. Um, last year, the Big 12, I believe, brought in nearly $13 million off of uh, $22 million in NCAA revenue shares, which are basically the NCAA uh, gives out what are called revenue shares. They're about $280,000 for every game that your team from a conference plays in any given year going back six years. So to do the math, you'd add up all the games the Big 12 played in the NCAA tournament last year and then multiply that, you know, or then do that for the last six years, multiply it by this revenue amount, and that's what they get paid, and they disperse that. Some conferences, you know, let their schools keep all their money. Some, you know, split that pool evenly. Either way, it's a school will get at least two hundred eighty grand out of the deal, usually. So what I would suggest is, if your coach is found to have violated, you know, the, you know, certain NCAA rules, you as a school have to pay that back. You have to pay your NCAA revenue shares back. Um, now, if you opt to dismiss the coach for you know these violations, you can hold on to your revenue shares. So essentially, you face a choice. You can either hold on to your money and pay the fine, which I'm sure some schools would do, or you can you know move on. Additionally, what I would say, too, is you could put strict recruiting sanctions in place as well. Um, such as, you know, scholarship limits. I would want to do maybe, you can keep your coach, you can pay the revenue share fine, that's fine, that's all fine dandy, but you only get X scholarships per year for four years for a recruiting cycle. So what winds up happening is maybe you only have nine, eight or nine scholarship players on your roster. So you can keep Bill Self, but you're going to give back all your NCAA tournament money, you're going to have a postseason ban, and you're only going to be able to sign eight to ten scholarship players. Do you want to go through with that? Do you want to, as a program, keep a coach knowing that you will have a four- to five-year window where you will not be as competitive and where you will basically pay any sort of 
fine, you know, on the floor or off the floor. So that that's just sort of, I think, my broad approach here, which is you hit schools in the wallet, you hit a coach on the recruiting trail, and you, you know, prevent that team from getting the exposure of the NCAA tournament. So that would be kind of, I guess, a three-pronged approach I would take. Well, and I like that because it it does give the schools a free pass for those uh, schools to sort of say, like, we had no idea what he was doing. Like, we are trying to play by the rules. Because, in essence, like, the NCAA is, like, the schools. Like, the NCAA exists because of Missouri and Kansas and Illinois and Iowa. And if they all just sort of got together and, and said, you know what, like, we don't want this anymore. We don't want any of this to work like this anymore. They can. They have the ability to do that. It, it is their institution. Uh, so they agree to these rules as much as you and I kind of tend to disagree with them. Um, so if you agree to it, you should you should play by them. And if a coach is going outside the bounds of what uh, what you allow to do, then then I, I do think that some sort of punishment is warranted. And that's why I think um, that's why I think your solution is a really good one. It, it it gives them the option to sort of have the easy out because I am a believer that. Like like Chris Mack at Louisville, even though uh, all this horrible stuff happened at, at Louisville, and 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 they were you know under probation when all this <laughs> other like illegally buying players was going on, um, they fired the athletic director, they fired the basketball coach, they cleaned house, uh, they brought in a new AD, they brought in Chris Mack, who ran a uh, as far as we know a clean program at Xavier, and he recruited all new kids. So should those kids be punished for what the previous administration did? And I, I, I don't believe that should happen. So I, even if this came down to like, you know, the NCAA basically saying, here's a, a show clause uh, and we're going to, we're going to hammer the basketball program. Unless you move on and you clean house and, because uh, I, th- I believe Jeff Long, and maybe Jeff Long can be a guy who can be a little bit of not uh, not a, not a scapegoat because it's in his contract, but he can be a guy who can maybe step up and say, nope, we're going to move on from Bill Self because he didn't hire him. Uh, he There's a clause in his contract about NCAA sanctions coming down that sort of extends his contract. Um, so I think that's a really op- an opportunity where I would be completely okay if Kansas cleaned house and uh they were still uh eligible to um to hire somebody and have that uh new staff come in and not feel the punishments yeah and i think at some point i think even if you have i'm a believer that what will change behavior is if schools have to start incurring a financial cost for it and you know having to pay remuneration for it and you know having certain revenue streams damned up and i think that that's where you know it becomes a a cost benefit analysis to where okay we could keep bill and you know we'll you know people will still go to kansas basketball games people will support ku that's just that's going to be reflexive missouri fans would probably do the same thing if they were in their shoes but i think what you have to do is sort of find a way to apply certain pressure points to an administration to get them to the point where moving on is palatable. And I think some financial inducements would be the way to do that much more so than punishing kids on the floor. I think really hitting coffers would be the way to sort of go about it. So that's, that's just 
how I think it would be more fair and probably a little bit more uh, effective in terms of generating some change. Matt, I agree. Um, I want to finish this segment by just saying I still think Kansas sucks and I hope they lose all kinds of games. Um, however, uh, I do think that the solution that you sort of brought up is a good one. And I am really kind of interested uh, to see this uh, situation kind of play out because this really is a new era for the NCAA. And, and they've basically said that you know, pre- uh, previous cases aren't necessarily going to hold precedent in how they, they handle these cases going forward. So it'll be really interesting to sort of see what happens with Kansas, even as a, uh, even not as like a Missouri basketball fan, but just as a, a fan of the NCAA basketball in, in general. I think it'll be, it'll be fun. I mean, it'll be, it'll be fun and interesting for us. I'm not sure how the people in Lawrence will respond <laughs> to. Uh, I don't really to... care how they feel, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You're the one. You're you're the one who lacks empathy on this podcast. So um... yes. Well, um, I'm also the one who posted a uh, a a post that said, you know, let's laugh at Kansas. Um, so it is it is nice to sort of. Uh, have a little fun at their expense. Lord knows they've had plenty of fun at our expense. That's what rivalries are for. Uh, Matt, let's get out of here. It's not. All right, let's let's do it. Everyone, listen. Follow me on Twitter, <laughs> Matt J Harris eighty five. Follow Sam and Sam T Snelling. We we put things up there sometimes. Go read the website. God only knows we have so much football content up there. So much. At least four or five things it's, a day. It is a do lot. That. Yeah, it's a lot of football it's, content. It's a. It's, it's a smorgasbord. I promise at some point we will write about basketball again. But right now it's football time. Do all that. Uh, you can find us on all manner <laughs> of uh, a, a streams. You can get us on Apple. You can get us on Stitcher. You can get us on Spotify. You can find us anywhere. Rate, subscribe, do all that fun stuff. Uh, you know, there. <laughs> I did it, Sam. I saved you the trouble. We're out of here. Bye. Nice